And I remember spending well over a year just telling the Lord, I, I need help. I know I need help, but I don't even want to stop. I don't want to stop. I can't stop. I don't want to stop. I need comfort. That's the only way I get instantaneous comfort. And I said, this is just honest, Lord. I, I don't have anything to give. And it was over the course of a year that he impressed upon me that that's all that he wanted. He wanted my honesty. He wanted my continued prayer, despite not feeling like I wanted to work on anything that I kept coming back to him. And he said to me, you can't do it, but I can, and I will, and I'm gonna help you. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is your chief storyteller host, Michelle Saunders-Gutch. And welcome to my season two, 105th episode, Constance, Broken to be Rebuilt, God Story. And thank you for listening to my show that is part of the Spark Media Network and the Edify app that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them, so they never feel alone. And today, friends, I am blessed to be recording this episode on the National Day of Prayer. And for those of you that do not know what the National Day of Prayer is about, it is a day that is observed annually in the United States on the first Thursday in May, and it asks people to turn to God in prayer and meditations. Friends, I have found that prayer always gives me a connection to God, which is wonderful for our emotional well-being. And when I start to worry, friends, I begin to pray. And as a believer, the Holy Spirit just works And I feel this peace, and that is so profound and powerful. And when two or three people pray together, wow, God really honors that too. And so I am just thankful that we live in a country that is recognizing that. It is recognizing that we do need to take a day to really honor God and pray all together collectively. So friends, it's now time to get this show started. This is why I have this show, because I get to interview awesome guests. And today I am excited to bring to the mic my special guest, Constance Lawson. I met 
this lovely mom to be, and she's a mom too, but she's going to be another, bring another one into this world. Um, But I met her through the Spark Media Collective group. And what a blessing. Uh, She's a wife, a mother, podcaster, speaker, and self-taught artist. Wow. She hosts the weekly podcast, Weeds, Seeds, and Beautiful Things. And friends, I was blessed to be a recent guest on her podcast. I'm going to learn a little bit more later where you can listen to it and do go out and listen to it. Her mission is to share the love she knows from God who she has learned to trust. Isn't that powerful, friends? We all have to learn to trust God in our walk. So I'm going to bring her to the mic. So you can get to know her. Welcome to the show, Constance. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. It's a it's an honor to be here. I love what you're doing on your show, and I um, it's just pretty amazing uh, to to get to hear all of these God stories. I am doing all right. Um, I'm in my second trimester of pregnancy, and I am advanced maternal age, so it's kind of touch and go, <laughs> but I'm I'm doing okay. Very thankful. Oh, well, I'm going to keep you prayed up, gal. You look beautiful. And I love your braids. They look really nice on you. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. It's that just you a can... million different tries and then you get it. So. Yeah. Well, it looks, <laughs> your braids are great. Since it is the National Day of Prayer, Constance, I would love to know why you think prayer is so important. It's direct communication to God, and it's connecting to the power source. Um, it's it's this opportunity to no matter where you are, or what you're doing, or how you're feeling, or what circumstance you're in, you have the ability to connect personally with the Creator of the universe, who is also, uh, you know, when we're praying, we're we're typically believers, and so it's our Father. We're being able to connect to our Father in an intimate way, and our Father is not only available, but He is able to assist us and help us, and He wants to do that. So it's just, it's something that is always available, and it's always beneficial, and it's this connection to the power source, which is God, our Father. It's amazing, isn't it? So one connection that we can have all collectively together. It's just powerful. So Constance, as you know, I shared women's transformational God stories all over the world. And I would love to hear from you why you think sharing your God story is so important. Because I do get different perspectives from my guests and You know, I just think it's really good to always ask that. Yes. Um, Well, I think that my story is important to share for the general reason that we're called, you know, to be witnesses of the goodness of God and stories are the way that we get to do that. But on another level, uh, my story, I feel like is special because it shows continued suffering and continued struggle. But in those times, the remaining faithfulness of God. So I feel like it's powerful because my story isn't one where I 
get to say that I was completely healed and completely delivered and I'm walking in complete freedom. But it's one where I get to say that I struggle most every day and I've still continued to face some really big tragedies and um, crisis moments throughout my life. But in those moments, what has changed and what has really been rebuilt is my view of God, my love for God, and my understanding that His faithfulness and His goodness is not dependent on my circumstances or my situation. Yeah, that's a great segue. The way my show works is we have the women uh, that our guests share where their God story began and some go through the whole story to the end where they want to break. But I'll just give you the, the opportunity to share as much as you choose or want to. So can, Constance, can you share where your Broken to be Rebuilt God story began? Yes, <clears throat> I believe that it began um, at the time of conception in the womb. Um, I was, I just feel like there was a, almost a supernatural target on my back from even before I was outside of the womb. Um, when I was born, my grandma said to my mom, uh, these little feet have so far to go. And she didn't realize at that time, but looking back over my life, I, I believe that that was a, a prophetic statement. Um, so I have one sister. She's four years younger than me. We all, my whole family currently resides in Manhattan, Kansas. We moved um, to Manhattan, Kansas from Oklahoma City, where I lived a majority of my life. When I was 11 years old, I developed a an autoimmune disorder. It goes by the name PANDAS. That's an acronym for a really long name. And it stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcus. So essentially what that means in, in very elementary terms, um, because of course I'm not a doctor and I didn't understand it either, was your body gets different infections, different viruses, and one of them can be the strep virus, uh, which causes a sore throat and fevers. I mean, it's very common among children. But in some children, your um, your, your germ fighting system doesn't recognize that you're sick. And this strep virus can change how it looks on a molecular level. And so your body doesn't fight it off. And instead of fighting off the strep virus, it ends up attacking the child's brain. And it attacks the child's brain in the area where um, different mental health uh, symptoms would begin to happen, such as obsessive compulsiveness, uh, uncontrolled anxiety, um, some odd eye movements like tics and just different behaviors. Um, they just kind of happen overnight. And so I, caught that autoimmune disorder. But at the time that I caught it, it was just beginning to be recognized in the medical community. So I was 11 years old and I had an autoimmune disorder that should have been treated with long-term low-dose antibiotics. But instead of getting that diagnosis, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia at age 11. 
And I began to be extremely heavily medicated. The amounts of antipsychotics and antidepressants and anti-anxiety and tranquilizer drugs that I was taking, um, it was mind-blowing. They don't, they don't do these amounts of drugs anymore because it's completely inappropriate and it and it does a lot of damage. But anyway, I at age 11 kind of got lost in the mental health system. And I did not come from a well-off family. So it was any um, you know, insurance that we had was through the state. So it was kind of you know, you take what you can get and the care also wasn't the best. Um, so I ended up staying in the mental health system. I'm actually still in it, but I'm in it in a very different way. But I, throughout that period of time, I stopped going to school. I'm essentially uneducated past fifth grade because of the high amounts of medication. I was never able to go to college. I was on disability. I had, um, many rounds of electronic convulsive therapy, which is ECT. When I was 16 years old, they sterilized me when I was 24 to prevent me from having children. I have been psychiatrically hospitalized over 60 times. I was morbidly obese as a child. I drooled as an adult, just some horrible side effects from the medication. I was essentially a zombie. And then when I was 28 years old, um, I had already been married and divorced. Um, I married a, a predator when I was 19 because I was so broken and looking for love. I began smoking at age 19. Um, then I was divorced. And by the time I was divorced, um, was about six years later, I had lost a majority of my teeth due to abuse. I had, um, I was just a wreck. I was an emotional wreck. I was in dire straits financially. I was on incredible amounts of medication. You wouldn't even be able to recognize who I was if you were to put that person next to me today. So the Lord brought me to a physician, a, a psychiatrist, when I was 28 years old. And she began to challenge this diagnosis of schizophrenia that I had been given. And she did at the time, it was the earliest 2000s. So like, you know, 2000, maybe 2008 or so, she did something called a genetic blood typing test. It essentially showed that my body does not have the properties. When you take a medication, your body metabolizes it. And Psychiatric medication is metabolized differently than, say, if you took a, a Tums for, for heartburn would be metabolized. So it absorbs into your body to go to work differently. Well, I don't have the genetic makeup to metabolize these medications that they were giving me. So all of these years they were giving me these drugs, it would be essentially like giving a person that didn't have diabetes endless insulin or someone that didn't have cancer, cancer treatment drugs. So they were giving someone that I had symptoms of a mental illness, but I myself wasn't mentally ill. I had an autoimmune disorder, which part of what it caused were some symptoms like obsessive compulsiveness, anxiety, but instead of addressing what was causing that. 
they began to give me all of these drugs for something that wasn't going on. (laughs) I was a wreck. And when I was 28 years old, I began coming off of all of these years of medication and it was horrible. Uh, The detoxing lasted, I would say, at least a couple of years. There were particular drugs that were harder to get off of than others. One of the worst was Xanax. Um, I was so incredibly addicted to not from abusing these drugs, but from the absolute dependency that my body had to taking them in high amounts day after day after day. Um, Some of the things that would happen, I would have convulsions. I lost my hair by the handfuls. I had this um, sticky substance. People that have smoked and stopped smoking will know like about nicotine coming out of your skin. Like I had a film of honey almost over my whole body. And so the medicine was not only leaving through, you know, means of like vomiting and stuff like that, but it was also just coming out of my pores. And I would have terrible, um, terrible outbursts emotionally as my brain was kind of detoxing. Um, My heart would race. I couldn't sleep. It was very common for me in that first um, two-year span to go three or four days without sleep uh, just because my body did not know how to cope with having these drugs be taken away. And then when it was all said and done, I didn't know how to cope because I didn't know who I was. I was faced with realizing that the my entire life was built around a lie, that everything I had lost was things that shouldn't have been taken away from me. And I was very angry and I wanted to die because I couldn't cope with the magnitude of everything. I just couldn't cope with it. And so I think that period of time between age 28 and 30 was really, really maybe the hardest two years mentally because I went through a period, I believe, of true insanity. As I was detoxing from the medication and kind of waking up to what it feels like to have a brain that's not on medication, but my brain was traumatized because it had been drugged or put to sleep for so long. So it was like everything inside of me was rebelling and I couldn't gain control. And so I kind of got lost in the waves and the sea of emotion and being uncontrollable. I was out of control. And I had um, two extremely serious suicide attempts. The last one, and I mark my healing journey beginning on my 30th birthday, because on my 30th birthday was my last suicide attempt. I am currently 39. I should not be alive after what I did. There's no human way possible that I should have survived. But the only thing that I can say, and and it's kind of like the butt in the Bible where, you know, you have this, this dire situation, but God or but he, you know, he did this. And so that's, that's all that it is because humanly speaking, I should not be here. My mom was already planning where to bury me. (laughs) She had contacted, um, cemeteries because she was so certain that I was going to be successful in ending my life, but, but God, and I was so angry 
when I wasn't successful because I had felt like my whole life wasn't successful. Nothing I had set out to do was ever successful. And I know we shouldn't look at, at suicide that way, but I was so hopeless. I, I was so done. I just would have done anything for the pain to stop. But when we butt up against God, even when we don't understand, and that's what I can look back on, I can look back and I can know I did not want to go on. I did everything I could to stop going on. I was in terrible pain. I went through all of that bad stuff that you could say shouldn't have happened. But then I've come to the place where I know that that terrible experience was what I needed. And I don't say that tritely. And I don't say that as a, well, you've got to have faith and it's all going to work out for good. I say that because I know, like it says in Job, my ears had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. And when God has a plan and a way, we don't get to override it. And that is what my hope is founded on, is that God is really in control. And if something wasn't supposed to happen, then from what I know about God, it wouldn't have happened. So the fact that it did shows that God is in it and I can struggle, but I can also rest in that struggle. The struggle and resting or abiding in God, they coexist. They coexist because we are human, although we are eternal believers, our eternal saved beings that are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, we are still here on this earth and we still will struggle. And so the point is not to stop the struggle so much as it is to continue to grow in your knowledge of who God is, because that is your anchor. So I remarried. I continued to come off of the medication. My problems didn't stop. Um, I was infertile, of course, due to being sterilized. I had terrible emotional baggage from all of those years. I struggled with, um, I've permanently struggled with terrible insomnia. I had gained so much weight that my whole hormonal system was off and I couldn't lose it. So I had a terrible um, just image of myself. I was missing a majority of my teeth. So I had to go and have tons and tons and tons and tons of dental work done. And I was terrified of the dentist. But year after year after year, the Lord continued to lift my head. That's the only thing I can say. And it's been so many years after that of still dealing with the shame, the rejection. Um, my peers, lots of people that have struggled with mental illness have very supportive friends. And I can't say that about my story. I had my mom. And then later down the road, I had my dad, but I didn't have um, an understanding or kind church community when I was growing up. They mistreated me terribly. I didn't have friends in school. I was very isolated. You know, I spent a majority of my time in hospitals. So everywhere that you looked, I have a reason to be full of self-pity. I have a reason to hate the world. I have a reason to hate God. But for some reason, he has seen fit to bestow his grace on me 
and to help me to find him in this. And that's just what I have fought for. Um, Not always on my own strength. Like I have wanted to give up. I think we all reach the point of wanting to give up um, multiple times. But the Lord in his great mercy, and a lot of it is through prayer. I have learned honestly speaking to God about how I'm feeling is like this gateway to the tenderness of the father. And we're so afraid that he doesn't get it or that he's upset that we're struggling or we're angry or we're asking the same question again. But what I've learned over and over and over again is he knows me and he loves me. He knows me and he loves me. That's it. That's it. And when I come to him, there is this well of tenderness and mercy and abundance that he freely gives me. He doesn't always, next to never does he instantaneously remove me from the painful situation, but he always gives me enough of himself to get to the next moment. And I just continue to be blown away by how my suffering is a gateway to knowing him more, but also knowing him more through suffering means that I have an understanding on a true experiential level of so many different ways that I can act actually step into other people's stories and love them from a place of experience, not from a place of judgment, not from a place of, I hope I don't ever go through that, from, but from a true place of, no, I understand. I understand and I love you and I can't fix it, but I can be here because I'm not scared of you or of the massiveness of your lament. It's easy to be scared off when people are excessively emotional or they're excessively grieving. But by the grace of God, my struggles enable me to not be scared off by monumental feelings and crisis of faith and grief. So I can truly sit with people and not feel the need to get up and run out the door because I have been there so many times myself. So my husband and I currently have been, uh, this is my second marriage. It's his second marriage. We've currently been married 13 years this December. It's not been an easy marriage. It's totally a work of God. We are two very broken people. Again, I think you look at, um, he comes from abuse in his background. I come from uh, mental health issues. God's just been good. He's been good and he's used two broken people to sand each other down raw. He's just faithful. He's faithful and he continues to hold us together and help us to continue to face these, I guess, quote unquote, demons of our past that, you know, come in and have this set purpose of, of destroying. Um, and I think that that's an important, an important facet of it all, because there is this battle and we're going to be in it till the day we die or till God calls us, you know, comes in and raptures us out of here. But in all areas of my life, it's been, well, if I can't get you here, I'm going to try here. And so, um, you know, the marriage was just the next thing to try and attack, but God has been so faithful and we are still going strong and working on our relationship. We are in marital counseling. 
So I'm a big um, proponent of that. I'm a big supporter of, of get help, face your problems. They're not going to go away. And there, even though we feel shame, there is no shame with Jesus. You know, there for now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. And it doesn't matter if we don't feel it. The truth is the truth, regardless of what we feel. And so in 2017, the Lord made a way for us to do IVF. We did IVF. I was the happiest I'd ever been. I was pregnant with twins and I had the twins um, in October of 2018. And out of the blue, I developed severe preeclampsia and my son tragically died uh, in front of my face. I watched him die and he died from strep group B strep, which this is an important part of my story because strep was what tried to take my life from me when I was 11 and strep was what killed my son. And it was also treatable and it was missed. So it's kind of like this same repeating story. But anyway, my my son died. My daughter spent 16 days in the NICU. They were born early. It was that rocked my world. Um, I say I went to the hospital with two babies. I had to say goodbye to one baby and I got to come home with no babies. And so after that, I was preparing for a funeral and trying to deal with grief and trauma that I had absolutely no platform for understanding of and wrestling with the fact that God chose to take him home. And so I had to put my money where my mouth was, or maybe I said that backwards, but still you get the point. I just chose I grieved, but I just chose, I would walk around my house all day. And I would say, if he was supposed to be here, he would. And there is more going on than I can understand. And I just believe that you're good. And then after that, I miscarried two more times in 2019. This was devastating because I still was sterile. So everything we were doing was through IVF. And IVF is extremely expensive and you are injecting yourself with all types of drugs to kind of hijack your reproductive system. So it just put me in a state of mental um, agony on top of wanting to be pregnant, trying to not lose faith, trying to just, it's just really indescribable how much goes into that. So we lost our last two chances babies because uh, I miscarried both of them and I was just broken. I was just so depressed. I was so broken. It wasn't that I didn't believe God was good. It's just that again, this is one of those things where the struggle coexists with the goodness of God. And the fact that he doesn't take us out of situations that we're supposed to be in, no matter how hard is only proof of his love. We think of love, and I remember the Lord so clearly telling me this because I finally got to the point where I was honest with him, and I said, you were supposed to protect me. You didn't protect me. And as clear as day, he told me, Connie, I did protect you. 
your view of protection is not mine. My view of protection means doing and allowing anything to create you into the woman that I know and I created you to be. And that just hit me differently. And I just knew that all of the statements of faith and all of the holding on to truth, even when I was doing it, not feeling it, but I was just doing it out of of exercising that will. You are good. You are faithful. I knew that I was right. I knew that I had fought the good fight and that the Lord was working something in me that was going to be something that could never be taken from me. It didn't matter what you did or to me or what I went through, that this faith that I have in God was beginning to become this part of me that could no more be removed from me. And I wanted that. And I wanted it no matter what it cost. And so then we waited and we prayed and I felt like we were supposed to continue to look at avenues to get pregnant. So I ended up going and having a surgery out of state. Um, The Lord provided for that. And I had my sterilization uh, reversed. And this was in 2020. Um, And then I got pregnant pretty much right after that. And I had um, another little girl. So that's living girl number two. Um, And she was born July 16th of 21. And then after she was born, I developed postpartum cardiomyopathy, which is heart failure. And I almost died from that. And I remember, again, just being in the waiting room, wrestling with God, saying, well, now it's finally where I don't want to die. And I'm literally on my deathbed. And everywhere I looked and every sermon that I listened to that night, it was all about submitting to God. And it was all about death. And I just finally came to the point where I was like, okay, my life is yours. And I want what you want. And I trust that if you take me home, you're going to provide for my daughters and my husband and my mom. And ultimately his great faithfulness, he brought me through that. And then we, we just have gone through so many things after that. I continue to struggle with my mental health as kind of a, I mean, why wouldn't I? going through all of what I did and, and, you know, I'm, I'm much more fragile. I think, um, not in the context, I don't want it to sound like I'm fragile, but my mind, I have to be careful and I have to be gentle with myself and I still struggle with depression. I still, you know, have, I have a lot of work that I do every day to be functional and to, um, maintain everything that I've overcome, but I'm doing it. And I'm, I'm started the podcast because I wanted to share that suffering doesn't have to stop. And, and it, it doesn't often, I think there's so many people that portray that, you know, if you, if you do something like this, or you follow the Lord at some point, you're going to reach this platform or this place or this where things are good. And, and I just want people to have a real place to come and hear about the continued struggle of life, but the faithfulness of God. I want it to be a place where people 
wherever they're at, choose to hold on a little bit longer, choose to love God a little bit deeper, and choose to believe Him for something a little bit bigger. And by bigger, I don't mean more incredible and grandiose. I mean, actually believing Him that if He keeps you in the suffering, then He's got something so precious for you there. And I want people to find their strength in who the Lord says that they are and to be able to put off the chains and the shackles of labels and of hurt. And I want people to choose to not fall victim to their trauma and not fall victim to the things that shouldn't have happened. I want them to have a bigger view of God so that even though these things happened, that's the very reason why they have the opportunity for God to be seen so clearly in their life. And if God is being seen clearly in your life, then that is an indicator that you are experiencing God clearly in your own life. So I had, kind of the last big thing, I had bariatric surgery. The Lord opened the door. I had developed a very, very unhealthy relationship with food when I quit smoking. Um, and then when I lost my babies, I just, and then of course I had already been off kilter from all the years of medicine, but I just ballooned to over 300 pounds and I couldn't stop. I didn't want to stop because it was the only thing that brought me comfort was eating. And I totally, I know like for a, for a fat person, we, lots of people can hide, you know, you can hide your addiction to pornography. You can hide insecurity. You can hide jealousy, but you can't hide being fat. You can't hide having such a low image of self. It it forms other people's opinions about you, but it forms your own. And it's just this prison. And I remember spending well over a year just telling the Lord, I I need help. I know I need help, but I don't even want to stop. I don't want to stop. I can't stop. I don't want to stop. I need comfort. That's the only way I get instantaneous comfort. And I said, this is just honest, Lord. I, I don't have anything to give. And it was over the course of a year that he impressed upon me that that's all that he wanted. He wanted my honesty. He wanted my continued prayer, despite not feeling like I wanted to work on anything that I kept coming back to him. And he said to me, you can't do it, but I can, and I will, and I'm going to help you. And he gave me a gift. And that gift was weight loss surgery. And it was horrible and it was terrible and it shook everything up inside of me. And it was one of another just period of being wrecked to the core because a major surgery like that just does things to you. But it was one of the best, terrible things that I've ever been through. And through that surgery, I am currently 115 pounds down. I'm not even a year out of surgery yet. I'm in the best physical shape that I've ever been in. And I have been not only given the ability to lose weight, but my mind has been given the ability to reset off of constantly thinking and being addicted to food. That surgery not only shrank my stomach size, but it reset my hormonal levels. So praise God that I didn't have to be ready and I didn't have to be able. He just gave me a gift. My part is to keep that gift and to keep my eyes on him 
But if he gave me that gift, then I can be absolutely guaranteed that he's going to give me everything I need to hold on to it. And then he has blessed me with another pregnancy, totally unexpected. I don't know if this baby is going to live. I don't know how long it's going to live. I have to wrestle with that every day. I struggle with it. I struggle with the fear of what would I do if I lost this baby? But I also... I also have that assurance. Again, the struggle coexists with my belief in a faithful God. So my story, I just, I want to tell people that if you suffer, suffer away because suffering produces something. It's, it's a doorway to the face of Jesus. And there is nothing worth having more than being able to know solidly without question that God is good and he loves you. And everything that scripture says about him is true. That is life-changing. And someday we're going to be in heaven. We're going to see him face to face and you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. This life does not last forever. It feels like it, but it doesn't. There is an eternal place that we are going. And if we follow Jesus and we love him and we're saved, we're going to be so happy. (laughs) It's not even, it's not even, uh, there aren't words to describe how worth every step we'll take in this life is for what's coming. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I don't know how to say the impact that your story is going to have on on people. It's incredible that God is using you, Constance, in the way he has and how you come out of this and how you continue to lean into him. I mean, I don't think people really can process suffering unless you're really going through it. I mean, you know, we don't, our understanding isn't God's. And We live in a fallen and broken world and it is what happened and people are going to suffer. And so to bring glory to God through it, it takes an incredible amount of surrender. And, you know, as Christians, we go through it. We were never, we were never called to a life of contentment and comfort. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not not here, but we do have the hope. And, you know, your story is so beautiful. It's so comforting, but yet it's so hard to hear. But, you know, you're such a beautiful attestment of the work of God, Constance. I mean, God takes people like you and he raises them up for his glory. Because, you know what, They're, they've come through tremendous amounts. And I know God's going to really bless you and continue to bless those that he puts in your life. And, you know, we'll be continuing to pray for your pregnancy and your marriage. And, you know, your authenticity is just beautiful. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to share was uh, a, a devotion that Billy Graham has, um, you know, Billy Graham is with Jesus now, but the devotion for today is from first Thessalonians three thirteen, And he's saying that 
no matter how soiled our past is, no matter how snarled your present is, no matter how hopeless your future seems to be, which is your story too, there's a way out. There's a sure, safe, everlasting way out, but there's only one. You only have one choice to make friends. And Constance is an attestment of that in what she has shared here and how she has chose to remain faithful as hard as things have been. And he also says that you're, you can go on being miserable, discontented, frightened, and unhappy, or you can decide how to become the person Jesus promised you could be. And that's what you're doing. I know, I know that God is smiling on you. You are a incredible inspiration, my friend. And I just thank you for coming on my show and sharing this story and giving such glory to God, but also so many things that you've shared to, to keep us in check. And this is Mental Health Awareness Month in the month of May. And this is so good for listeners, you know, who are struggling with mental health. And, you know, the God stories I've shared, many have come out victorious, but there's still challenges or setbacks or, you know, we, we still have them. We all go through them as believers, but like you have shared, you know, you're going to hold on. You're holding on so tight to Jesus. And I have this vision of, you know, just holding on so tight, like Mary Magdalene, you know, she was hemorrhaging and she was bleeding for nine, I don't know how many years it was. And she was so in need of a touch from the Savior. And so it's just really so profound. And, you know, I I really thank you for taking the time. And I know that podcast show of yours is going to be really, really beneficial because you know what? To continue to give God glory and to share in your suffering is really important for others. It encourages them. That's one of the things we have to do and we're called to do, you know, is to give God the glory in our suffering. And we know what Jesus did and where he went to the cross and what he sustained and what he had to deal with as a man. It's hard. It's difficult to give thanks to God when things are so hard or to be happy for others or when we've been through suffering, you know, we've had setbacks and when we get great things in our lives, right? And then you're, you're you know, the enemy hits you and trying to You're afraid you. that when the you're afraid, is going to yes. drop. Yes. So uh, I do get that. I do understand that. And you're like, oh, so every day you get up tiptoeing. And I know the Lord doesn't want us to expect these things, but I do know he wants us to depend on him in all things. And, you know, we don't know what the outcomes of our life are going to be. He does. He has the bigger picture, but we got to keep our God eyes on lady. And that's what you're doing. So do Share any closing words and then let us know how people can get in touch with you. Well, I am just so thankful that I got to be on your show. I really am. Um, 
I, I pray blessing over your ministry and what you're doing. And I just want to leave your audience with this um, little phrase that's been in my mind the past week and a half or so. And it's hope walks on. And that's important because hope doesn't feel to go on. Hope doesn't need answers to go on. Hope doesn't have to be in the right situation to go on. Hope, it just walks on. And why does it walk on? Because it's not something that's of us. It's not something that is from us. It's something that is given to us that we can appropriate as our own, which means we can, we get to take its benefit and we can just walk. We just put one foot in front of the other and we leave all of the concern and the worry and the outcome to God. So you can walk on in hope and feel bad and you're still doing the right thing. So I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing, wherever you're at, just keep walking. And God is going to do and continue to do the good and the best thing for your life. You can listen to my podcast on any of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify, all of those. It's just weed seeds and beautiful things. Well, thank you, my lovely friend. Um, It's been an incredible honor and honor, Constance, to bring this story to the audience. I feel so honored to be able to do this. And I hope we get a chance to meet up sometime in person. But in the meantime, friends, until the next show, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.